In this week's episode, I'll be joined by Elena Joy Thurston, who's a DEI consultant and inclusive leadership speaker and trainer. And we're going to talk about everything from the Grammys to a new Barbie doll and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Elena Joy, please introduce yourself. Well, hi, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be awesome. So as you said, my name is Elena Joy. My pronouns are she, her. And companies hire me to help develop inclusive leadership within their organizations, either through keynote presentations or training workshops or through executive coaching of emerging LGBTQ plus leaders. It's a great job. I love it. That's fantastic. So tell me, what's your favorite thing about the work that you get to do? Honestly, my favorite thing. So I was 37 when I came out. I was a stay-at-home Mormon mom, four kids, white picket fence, like the whole thing, right? And I was very much one of those that was very vocal about defending the purity of the family, right? Like I was there. I was that conservative mom. And then I came out and I had a whole lot of deconstructing to do. And so I think my favorite part of my job is that I I mean, look at me, right? I look like a stay-at-home mom. And so I can walk into these rooms full of corporate people that might tend towards that conservative direction where I used to be five years ago. And I can speak with them in a way that's not judgy. It doesn't put them back on their heels. They don't feel defensive because I can't judge them because I was them. There's nothing they're saying now that I didn't say then. So I feel like that's probably one of my favorite parts is I get to have really unique conversations in that regard. Yeah, I bet you blow their minds a bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that's fun too. <laughs> you know, but there's some privilege there, right? Some privilege to be able to, to exist in those spaces and have those conversations without necessarily being accused of being, um, you know, an angry person or With aggressive. An agenda. Exactly. Absolutely. And I address that privilege. I make that privilege like really specific, like this, I'm doing this because I look like this, because I present like this. And there's, there's that straight passing privilege, just like there's cisgender privilege that needs to be recognized and used for good. Right. Absolutely. And for the folks who are listening and not watching us on YouTube or LinkedIn, would you mind sharing how you identify? Because not everyone can see you and I don't want to make any, make any assumptions here for our our audio listeners, our podcast listeners. Absolutely. And thank you very much. Yes. So I am a cisgender white woman. I am pretty typical middle class. Like I said, I'm in my early 40s with four kids. And so I look very much like your neighbor, basically. <laughs> you know, I would I actually agree with that. So <laughs> 
I think at one point you actually may have been on my partner, Heather Vickery's podcast, The Brave Files. Is that true? Yes. Yes. That was a good time. That was a, a really fun time with Heather. She's a great force out in the community. She is. So shout out for Heather Vickery and her awesome podcast, The Brave Files. So let's get into, actually, before we get into today's good vibes, let me ask you you a question that I ask uh, most of our guests, which is in the work that you're doing and having these conversations with leaders, what is giving you the most hope? Mm, I love this question. I love your whole concept, focusing on the positivity of it, because we can get so drowned in the rest of it. Um, I would say what's giving me the most hope is a trend that I'm seeing, which is we have Gen X managers, many of whom identify as female and were assigned female at birth, right? And they have spent the last 20 years of their career really championing female leadership and bringing up women in leadership and, and mentoring these women and doing so much. They really, that's a huge part of their identity is that part. And now in the last five years, maybe even less, they're realizing that a lot of these people that they've kind of handpicked as future female leaders are not identifying as female. Mm. They are changing their pronouns. They are identifying as non-binary and or trans. And these women who have self-identified as allies and think of themselves as allies are now realizing they're struggling. Because what they're viewing this as once they get down to the nitty gritty and we use some self-awareness, what's happening is they're realizing they're kind of angry. They're angry. It feels like this is you're turning your back on womanhood. And this is what I've been championing for the last 20 years. And so once we can get to that point where we realize kind of where the source of that anger is, which is totally valid, it's absolutely valid, then we're able to really focus on impact and what is gender equity because that's actually what you've been fighting for this whole time. And we're now taking it to the next level because gender is not male and female, right? So if we're going to talk gender equity, let's make it inclusive. So seeing that trend is really exciting and hopeful to me. You know what? That is that is really exciting. I'm just so glad I get to have these conversations with with folks as fascinating as you because I, you know, I don't, there are just so many stories out there that I don't always get to hear. So I, I love hearing your perspective on that and and the hope that that gives you. Okay, so let's move on to uh, this week's good vibes. You know what? I'm going to start with the Grammys because there are several good vibes here from the Grammys uh, last Sunday, and so the um. Major thing that happened at the Grammys was that Beyonce became the winningest artist ever with 32 awards. And as a black woman, that's pretty amazing, even though some of the awards are not necessarily the most prominent ones like album of the year. That's pretty amazing. So that was history. History was made again when Kim Petras came out as um, or she she's already out, but she would became the first trans woman to win a Grammy award for the song Unholy. Viola Davis won a Grammy for her audiobook, The Actors, giving her the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. And there were just a bunch of, bunch of others. So I just want to celebrate that. Absolutely. It was pretty incredible. And to see the diversity that we saw on that stage was just mind-blowing for me as a young Gen Xer. I thought that was, I've never seen that kind of diversity on the award stage ever. And what I also loved was that While mainstream media really put that out there, that Kim Petras was the first one, first trans woman to win the Emmy, 
or to win the Grammy. I loved that our queer media pointed out she was the first out trans woman to win the Grammy, that there was Wendy Carlos won it. She just wasn't out. And so what I love is that we got to learn. I never heard of Wendy Carlos before until our queer media brought that up. So I was so grateful that I got to learn about that other side of our history while celebrating Kim Petras, because that was a dang good song. <laughs> I love language. that song. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, for, for someone who's a former Mormon, I guess I guess you might see some read between the lines of that song, right? Um, a little bit. You know, <laughs> I also love that Sam Smith sort of stepped back and let Kim speak and take her, you know, celebrate herself. I think it was amazing. That I love Sam Smith I, as well. I want to bring a video of that moment into every boardroom that I go into. Like, this is equity. This is equity. Take take a step back sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. It's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful example. I love it. Okay, so moving on. Oh, by the way. I forget who did you say was the non-out trans woman because I actually hadn't heard that. So we might need to put that in the uh, in the comments, Corey, because it's news to me and I read a lot of gay media. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wendy Carlos um, was a composer, a lot of electronic music. I think she won two or three Grammys. LGBTQ Nation is the one that is the article that I saw, but it was posted a few different places. Great. Well, thank you yeah. for sharing that. See, I, that's why I do this show. I'm constantly learning <laughs> myself, right? Okay. So let's get back to the good vibes. So Chelsea is a new Barbie and the first Barbie with scoliosis. So Chelsea actually even comes with a removable back brace. Now, more than 100,000 kids are diagnosed with scoliosis this year, each year, and that causes a lot of stigma. But this Barbie shows that it doesn't have to be stigmatizing, and it kind of normalizes this condition. You know what I love about this? I feel like it is corporate America is reflecting what Gen Alpha is living right? Like Gen, the little honey badgers that makes up Gen Alpha, they are like, of course we want our friends that have back braces to see themselves in Barbie, right? Like they, they're wondering why this didn't exist before, <laughs> right? They are leading the way. And I think it would be fascinating if we asked more of them, like, what other Barbies would you like to see? I think we'd get some incredible responses. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm sure Mattel is conducting a focus group at this very moment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are a lot of Barbies that show that representation matters. And it just seems that there's always, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly celebrating Barbie at least three or four times a year, if not more, because they're always coming out with something. So I think it's really fantastic what they're doing. Okay, next story is about the HR software company Greenhouse, which has a global passport program for its employees that allows its employees to spend up to 60 days working in other countries without using paid time off. What a great benefit. And absolutely, you know, what was the pandemic for if, if we're not going to take advantage of some of the gifts that it gave us? And one of the biggest gifts that it gave us was the uprising of, of remote work. And 
to be able to take advantage of that and say, go live somewhere else, do your job, but go live somewhere else, right? Experience that. That brings a whole wealth of perspective back to a company. Like talk about inclusion, right? To be able to have that experience. I think there's nothing like living outside of your home country to really give a huge perspective and make you question basically everything you believe. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I think you're absolutely right. I, I love that this has become something that's part of their culture. And again, it's it's normalizing it. And when we normalize travel, when we normalize cultural immersion, when we normalize back braces, it's just better for everyone. It's destigmatizing. So I love that. Okay. And the last story from this week is actually my favorite story. And it's about how there's a new private equity fund. I don't talk about private equity funds very often on this show. <laughs> a new private equity fund called Project Black, which is a fund created by Ariel Investments and its co-CEO and president, Melody Hobson, who's one of my sheroes. And the fund in invests in middle market companies installs Black and Latina executives if it needs them to be a majority, and then helps those businesses acquire smaller minority-run businesses, then positions the original company, the middle market company, to sell its products and services to large companies. So this is a, the, the way this has worked is all about the supply chain and diversifying the supply chain and by partnering with more minority-owned businesses, supplier diversity. But it's actually supplier diversity is kind of a convoluted setup. And this is trying to make it a lot simpler, well, make it somewhat simpler for these businesses to access that those dollars. This is such perfect timing because where we're at is we have all of these companies, these massive corporations that have set these goals that they're going to have a certain amount of spending going towards supplier diversity, right? What we also have is a lot of these smaller businesses, the owners are ready to be done. They're ready to retire and they don't have anyone picking up after them, right? And so they might be diverse owners, but they're getting bought out by not diverse owners. And so now we have these corporations that are like, we need to spend money with diverse owners, but you're not diverse anymore. And so we're seeing these pipelines like this come up where it's like, okay, we need to make sure that these companies have diverse ownership so that they can be participating in that supplier diversity. And it reminds me a lot of Arlen Hamilton, which is one of my sheroes, right? Mm -hmm. Like to be able to find all these different ways to make everything more diverse and really close that wealth gap. It's amazing. It is amazing. The, the wealth gap is significant. Right now, only 2% of corporate spending goes to minority owned suppliers. And there are about 500 private companies with a billion dollars in sales annually, but only five are black owned. It reminds me that when I'm talking about what is authentic inclusion with the companies that I work with, and we talk about how we spend all this time trying to make sure that we're attracting and retaining this diverse talent. But if we don't have a supplier diversity, what we're telling our employees is we want you to come and work for us and, and feel comfortable and safe here, but we don't want you to be the boss. It's true. So if we, right, if we invest in supplier diversity, that's authentic inclusion right there. 
Absolutely. And what I talk about a lot in the name of my book is Inclusive 360. And to be Inclusive 360, it means we're going a lot more beyond human resources. And I think actually the stories from this week really represent that. The stories represent supplier diversity, representation in in music at, at awards that we're talking about. HR, but we're also talking about product development diversity. So really kind of a, a mini version of the inclusive 360 model right in today's conversation. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to read your book. I got to get a copy of that. Well, thank you so much, Elena Joy, for joining me today. How can folks find you? Thank you. So my website is elenajoyexperience.com and I play a lot on LinkedIn and Instagram and you can find me just under Elena Joy. You'll find me there. Fantastic. I'd love to connect. Yeah. Well, it's been a really wonderful chatting with you. We'll make sure we connect more offline and folks check her out. She's amazing. And, uh, and folks, if you don't already subscribe to the five things newsletter, you can get it at five things, DEI.com for some good vibes in DEI every week. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith. And I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.